We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This episode 65 of the pod. Is that the, the Matt Rooney? Or no, you were 55. I was going to say. Are we, is this the oh, no, Matt I was Rooney saying, This is the Matt Rooney. Yeah, 65. You know okay, I, I had it right. First off, great memory. Secondly, I'm going to have to dig up an old picture of myself and like make that the... Uh, the Don't do that to the, the show logo. Uh, yeah, I should, probably shouldn't do that to myself. <laughs> the official Matt Rooney uh college football high school football both correct uh right? just, or just high just, school uh, just college high school just was college. 50 so all right we've already, enough we've about both, we've hit both my episodes now enough about you matt let's talk about me how you doing oh i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> well to keep things on myself i'm doing great um no longer jet lag so that's pretty i was gonna say a little myself. bit of jet lag what what kind of matt rooney am i am i being given here no you're, you you got you're the back. first one we're normal i've been back for four or five days now we're we're all set we're all good you're re you're reacclimated to uh yeah. to the american way a couple Burger days King in a, a row starbucks a on every corner bunch of, i'd love that i missed that i really did uh the one <laughs> London, London wasn't too hard to find either of those, if I'm, uh, yeah. if I'm not going to lie, I'm not gonna lie know, to you. We'll, we'll get to the Euro experience, but that was much of mine in the past. London, a great town, but very Americanized. You didn't feel as European, maybe, as some other towns. Kind of eases to, you but, into uh, Europe. Exactly. It's the it's the buffer zone. It's mm-hmm. the uh, it's the European. It's it's triple A. You know, it's 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 minor league ball for for <laughs> Europe. You're not you're not going straight to the show. Brussels, Vienna, those, those types of things. That's but, very uh, true. Matt, I did spend some time in Vienna at the airport. Yeah, very good. Not, not Got to love the hot dogs, um, right? <laughs> sure. Let's go, yeah. Let's go with that. Let's go with All right, Matt. Well, we got a plenty to go with uh, today on the podcast. It is game week, as you uh, as you said. It's game the week. Bears. We have I a saw game. It on Twitter. We got a game, Hall of Fame game coming up Thursday. I, I cannot wait um, to take the Bears money line on Thursday night. You're going Bears money line. All right. Of course. Um, we're gonna see. Uh, we're gonna see what this defense can do. We're gonna see what this second string defense. Yeah, I was gonna can say do. you're gonna see those first teamers trot out for a series, and then they're done. Exactly. We're gonna see the second teamers uh, try and put a stop to former Heisman Award winner Lamar Jackson. Um, we'll see how many reps he gets and what he can do for the Ravens. But uh, it should be a really interesting start to the season, if nothing else. My approach here has changed from from last year specifically. Last year, we knew we weren't going to see Mitch Trubisky during the regular season. So this was our this was Mitch Miss, you know? We, yeah. we were going to this was all we were going to get. This is our chance Trubisky. to see. This was all we were going to get from Trubisky until we realized that Mike Lennon's neck was too long to play quarterback in the NFL and and then Trubisky become the quarterback. We knew there was going to be a 5 maybe 10 week span somewhere in there where we weren't going to see Mitch. So I was super excited for preseason whereas this year I know our commodities. The new guy hasn't even signed yet. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, there's nothing for me to see here. I just want everyone to stay healthy and, and for the team to get to week one with all their bullets. I, I'm with you. I think there are a couple things to see. I think, I mean, it, it's going to be the same things you look for every preseason. You want to see you know, something out of Anthony Miller. I think you, you want to mm-hmm. see him. Because I think he'll probably be a guy who, while he probably factors into the first team at some point, you know, some some role, he'll still probably be a guy who gets a little bit more reps in the preseason as most rookies do and I think I want to see something more out of Adam Shaheen because mm-hmm. he has some he has something to prove this year he's well he's going to be a guy who gets time he does have a tight end he's in direct competition with even though he's that different type of tight end than Trey Burton is he, he's still competing for reps um, and, and by all reports he's having a pretty solid camp so far but still you want to see him uh, I think show a little bit more in the preseason granted it'll be against second teamers but uh, just excited to see the the younger guys and, and the you know guys like Shaheen, maybe a Nick Kwiatkowski who might get a few more reps, kind of see what they have uh, you know in the tank. See if I know it's tough to gauge in the preseason, but see if they look any any different, any better. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it it's one of definitely a few storylines to keep an eye on. Another thing that is new this year that probably won't be on display, and it'll be the topic of fodder for the entire preseason is. How much of this naggy offense are we getting to see right now? Is he pulling out all the bells and whistles? Because we're not impressed. Yada, 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 fill in the blanks. 
typical news cycle. People get tired of it. And then week one, we see him running bubble screens and a bunch of different crazy stuff, uh, backfield motions thrown at the running mm-hmm. backs, what, what it was displayed as, what it was sold as. But we're not going to see that in the preseason. So I think everyone needs to really pump the brakes and uh, reserve judgment for Matt and Aggie off of, uh, like you said, two series with the ones. We we just can't do that to the coach or to these players. Exactly. Even when you get to week three of the preseason and, you know, that's your, your dress rehearsal and all that stuff. I mean, they're still not running all their, all their, even when you get to week three of the regular season, yeah. there's I mean, install in these professional levels and with, with these NFL teams, there's install happening every single week. It's why the Patriots are so good. They go into the game with two, three different offensive approaches, two different offensive plans, and then they implement the one that the team's given to them. You exactly. Know, I mean, there's we played, always we, install happening. We played D3 football, which is nowhere near that. Even we had – And there was weekly had, install. Yeah, weekly install, weekly new stuff, weekly changes. And you go into the regular season with like only about 60% of your playbook, and you, you add things as you go. And I'm not – I don't – think we're going to see anywhere close to it i think especially with a backup quarterback like chase daniel who has been in this system forever and knows it like the back of his hand you really don't need to have him working on a lot of stuff because like we said he knows everything that's going to be installed and that's going to be the guy who's going to be taking probably the majority of the reps for this team in the preseason obviously not the regular season yes yes but uh all of that aside it is uh bears ravens Coming your way this Thursday, it uh, is the first game of the season, the Hall of the Fame, Hall of game. Fame game. It uh, plenty of uh, familiar faces going to be on hand at the Hall of Fame game. Got to give a shout out to to Big Brian Erlacher uh, going in and uh, you know getting getting his fair share. Um, it's going to be. Uh, do they do they televise the speeches, or is that something that you know that gets kind of released? I don't, I don't remember know. If they televise the ceremony, ceremony I, I, on the NFL networks. If they do, that's something I, I think I'd love to see your locker talk. Yeah, and uh, we caught uh, we caught MLB's. Uh, it was on MLB Network or ESPN. I don't know, but the, the Major Network. League Baseball. Yeah. yeah, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame induction ceremony was uh, this past weekend, and they did air the the interview. So. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if we saw that. If not, I'm sure it'll be streaming a million different places on, on Bears platforms. But um, just sort of the culmination of a childhood of watching that man play football at the highest level, change the position. I mean, we've addressed all the platitudes here on the pod before. But Good word. Uh, goes without saying. Just Actually, you know how- what? Can I interrupt you for a second? Yep. Word, that of, the word of the day. Word of the day. Word of the week. Platitude. platitude. Sounds like attitude and platform combined. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say it sounds like attitude and platypus combined. It also does that, but I was going to go with platform. Uh, but give, give me a definition, please. Uh, as I was, uh, the the platitudes, the, I don't know, the oh, levels, so, the heights. So uh, I know it in context. I know it in context. <laughs> and I got gotcha. you. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I win. I no, I, I win this week. I, I win the word of the week. Yeah. I caught you. All right. <laughs> well, I, I might have uh, I might have just misused platitudes there too. Is what, is, is, is it the real, sounded right. Is the realization that I've um, that wasn't the word I was looking for. I guess the word I was looking for was uh, we we've addressed all of the um, you know hyperboles that go along go. with uh, with Brian Lacker's name, and um, it's just it's going to be a, a wonderful ceremony to to honor a guy who gave a ton to the city and uh, to us as kids when we were um when we were just growing up as bears fans you know really understanding understanding and learning what heartbreak truly meant uh he was one of the guys who showed it to us so uh you gotta you gotta thank uh big bry in that vein and a guy who changed the position you know the tampa two wasn't what it was until brian erlacher started playing the game and uh now everybody wants that athletic middle linebacker and uh I'm just happy to see that his bust in the Hall of Fame is going to be bald because that would have been really weird if he went in with hair. Very yeah, you can't go in. That. You can't go in with the. Can't go in with the hair bust. I think he's back to bald though. I think that. I want to say I that. I think um, he's bald anymore. I think he's got hair. He's got hair. Pretty sure he's got I wanna, hair, Joe. I want to say that there were a couple lawsuits. Um, that, like there were for what imaging hair? No, like image and likeness stuff that they started using things that weren't outlined in the contract and. Uh, yeah, I want to say that he's screw you he's, guys. I'm shaving. Maybe my head he's now. maybe he's parting ways. <laughs> that was terrible. Thank you, that Thank was, you. parting, parting here. 
All right. Well, uh, Matt, we can only. I was going to say we can only we can only uh, we can only stretch preseason talk so long. Uh, There'll be plenty to talk about over the next. That's probably a good time though to tease our our football uh, preview episode. Is only like a month away now, and that I think is like the most fun episode of the year because all we get to do is talk football. We're just talking football. We're making predictions. We're we're betting the house. Plus, I get to use that really fun open. Yes, as you said, only about a month away. Uh, should be should be around episode seventy. Yeah, I mean, if we're just ballparking it, maybe right it now. is episode so, uh, seventy or sixty nine. That'd be nice. Soon come. Well, you didn't have to do that, Matt. I did. You, you didn't have to do that. You know, people's <laughs> people's parents listen to this. Just saying that'd <laughs> be a nice on. episode to win. Uh, as you as you uh, very keenly pointed out uh, in our pre production today, Matt, uh, bold bold to do a uh, podcast. Uh, mere hours before the MLB trade deadline, because we're we're going we're all be, in, Joe. We're going we're all in be, on our predictions. We better be. We're going to be. Hot. We're going to be late on the news uh, in about ten minutes here. So um, the MLB trade deadline coming at one p.m. Pacific, four p.m. Eastern, which puts it at three, 3 p.m. Hitting all of our time zones here there for our go. broad listenership. Uh, the MLB trade deadline on the way. Do you see either of these Chicago teams making any moves more than just uh, roster space? You know, little little additions moving forward. Do you? I guess, I guess the question I'm asking is: Do you see the Chicago Cubs going out and getting? There an you arm? go. Um, yes. I don't know what that arm's going to be. I, I think they've got their starter. I know people say they'd like to see him at another one, but I think they're kind of relying or hoping that you Darvish is going to be that next rotation piece because they're they're kind of getting full there. I know Tyler Chatwood hasn't been good, but he also has, you know, two years left and however many million left on that contract after this year. So it's not like you're going to add another starter and just punt him. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're going to try and add another bullpen arm, ho- hopefully a closer type with Brandon Morrow. I, he hasn't even picked up a ball. I think he's been on the DL and even once he does, that's two more weeks. So I think you're looking at maybe not even until late August and maybe even September 1st when he's kind of back and ready to go. So I, it, that bullpen has had a, a little bit of everybody being backed up a slot, so kind of everybody's pitching out of order, and if they can add a guy with some closer experience to be back there, I, I think that's what they'd like to do. I think Brad Ziegler from, from Florida was the name I'd seen floating out there. I've mm-hmm. seen one person say that you know the Cubs are very close to acquiring him, and then I saw another person say the Cubs are not close to acquiring him. So who and just, uh, just we're going to see like five of, more. Just to counter... Way. And just to counter that point, Ziegler's been connected to the A's out here. They're okay. trying to load up. Who um, they went 61 out. and 46, by Un- the way. I unbelievable. Just saw what the hell? I thought they were bad. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing is everyone east of Las Vegas still thinks they're just like the lowly A's, where if you go and look at their last 20 to 30 games, I'd say – I'd go out on a limb and say that they're, they've won probably 26 of their last 35 games. They've oh. been playing outstanding baseball – Going into the All Star break and then coming out of the break, I think they've lost four games since the break. So they've really hit their stride. They have some serious bats in Chris Davis, uh, Lowry. Um, Chris Davis Scott. might be the most underrated bat in all of the majors. He's been he doing, has, he's having a great year, but he's been doing this for like three. Because I, I I'm a, I'm a nerd. I play fantasy baseball and all that stuff, so I, I'm a little bit more familiar with some of the names like that because you want to get those guys on your roster. He's had like 40 home runs on 100 RBIs, 35 home runs on 100 RBIs, like each of the last three seasons. And because he plays and in Oakland, no one knows about him. No one knows about him, and the power he has to the opposite field is top tier. Like there are few better in the game that can go the other way the way that he does. He, he's got that inside-out swing that you look for in – a power hitter who's going to also breed consistency. And he has been absolutely fantastic over the last month. They've had some comeback wins. They were down seven in the seventh inning against the Texas Rangers last week, came back to win. I think it was the largest comeback uh, post-seventh inning in franchise history. So they're they're kind of building a little bit of more around themselves. They go out and get Yuri's Familia to bolster one of the already stronger bullpens in the league. But uh, they still want that extra arm for the starting rotation. And uh, that's something that we might see here in the next few hours. And as I said, Brad Ziegler, a a guy who is also attached to the A's. So at this point, there's about a pool of 10 pitchers. Anyone who's a buyer right now is is trying to talk to, see if they can come to terms with, make a deal with. But from the media standpoint, 
all 10 of those guys are coming to each one of the teams. So that's, uh, that's just kind of trade deadline reality. You, you mentioned that pool of like, you know, 10 or so pitchers. And I think all of us have kind of seen the, the same, like the same group of names. You know, every year there's that same group of names that, that gets floated around. And Jacob DeGrom was one of those that was kind of floated around earlier in the year, but hasn't been lately. And I'm kind of surprised the Mets are standing pat with him. Uh, I, I, he's, he's 30 years old, which isn't young for a pitcher or which is old for a pitcher, but it's also not terribly young. I think he's only got, you know, one year left on that deal after this. So, but it's also mm-hmm. at a manageable number. So you could probably get a pretty big haul for him and the Mets are just going nowhere. Um, that's a name and leave it up to the Mets to make the wrong decision because it seems like that's what they do just yeah. about every year. But that's it, what they do as tough as it is, as it is to give up a guy like that. I mean, it seems kind of like a no brainer to be shopping him. And even a Noah Syndergaard, seeing what you can get for these guys, I don't really get it. But without without those two on the market, the, the starter market is is pretty tapped out already. It seems like. I mean, the biggest name is probably Chris Archer, who was really good three or four years ago, but hasn't been the same pitcher the last couple of years. And they're going to Tampa's going to want a ton back for him. So I'm not sure there's going to be a ton of huge names moved. I know Bryce Harper was also being floated out there this morning, but then later yeah. this morning, Mike Rizzo was like, "No, he's not going anywhere. I like our team." But no, you just didn't get what you wanted in return for him. So yeah, you shopped him, but uh, you shopped him. You didn't get it. You, you shopped him. On no it. one bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to localize uh, once more, Matt, uh, sure. just to s- how this uh, how this deadline affects the south side of town, and uh, the Sox have been sellers for what seems like forever. But there's no. It doesn't sound like there's any fire sale happening here. I mean, there's only so many pieces to move. Most of your team is prospects right now. I guess your veterans, in terms of uh, Avi and Jose, I think neither Avi, of those guys. No, neither of those guys have been connected to any talks, have they? Not really. I mean, Avi was the one name that would have, but then he went. He was absolutely tearing it up after coming off the DL. Like he yeah. was, he was killing the ball. He had like something like six home runs. He was hitting around three fifty. He was absolutely crushing the ball. Um, but then he got hurt again. He hurt that hamstring in Houston and went back on the DL. And I think that really derailed any possibility of him being moved because, you know, two hamstring. And he's back now. But, again, he, he coming back this early, this close to the trade deadline, you're, you're probably not going to get moved, especially with two injuries. You're not going to get much back for him. And I, I think they're standing pat on a brave. They basically just said, we have a ridiculously high price on him. If you want to meet that, great. If not, we're going to happily hold on to him and kind of have him be mm-hmm. the clubhouse leader of this young group coming up which i'm totally okay with i think we've both been on that side uh if i'm not mistaken since day one i mean if they could get an incredible haul for him great uh but i'm happy it seems that he's going to remain on the south side for uh for the foreseeable future in this rebuild and now there was a large assumption in there uh that you just made matt and you said be the uh, veteran leader clubhouse guy for the young group coming up that involves the young group coming up. Oh yeah. When when is the young group coming up? Well, I'm not sure if you saw the the. the I'm sure you still follow a bunch of the the local Chicago guys on Twitter. Yeah. Rick Hahn spoke uh, earlier this week, I believe, or maybe late last week, something like that. Basically, got asked about Eloy and Kopech again, and said, you know, we're we're not bringing them up until they check all of the boxes. Um, so there's been some people floating around on Twitter, you know, kind of making fun at that point. And they, they think something along the lines of like, you know, Eloy is mentally pipeline even had an, had a tweet saying like hitting a, a Eloy is hit his check. The hit a home run box in five of his last nine games, something like that. <laughs> so like, here, here's what I, first off the fan in me wants to see both of them up there right now. Selfishly. I had tickets. I have tickets for tonight. I was really hoping to see him go <laughs> to see him get called up especially with that day off yesterday and him doing what he's doing, but whatever's not going to happen. I get it. It's a business. Um, and you have seen some of these players get called up midseason. I know Rizzo did the first time, got sent back down. I believe Trout got called up, got sent back down. It's okay to let these guys overcook a little bit, and, and, and that's just kind of – that's the right owners and management has to take. That's what's written in the collective bargaining agreement. If they don't want to start that service clock – I know we want to see him this year, and I know he's ready this year, but at the same time, if they can save an extra year, it just makes more sense to do that. Um, Eloy is really yeah. pushing the envelope. Kopech for me is – I still like, – I know maybe it's because he's a little bit bored down there. I'm not really sure, but his numbers aren't great, and I think he's doing some really good things. But it still seems like he has some stuff to work on, and AAA is not the worst place to do that. The majors, if you still have some stuff to work on you're not ready, you, you can get – you know. Especially as a pitcher, I believe you can get 
hit around a little bit and lose a little bit of that confidence. And and I'm okay with him staying down, but Eloy seems like the guy who's ready. But if they're if they want to wait till 12 days or 11 days in the next season, the Cubs did that with Chris Bryant, got criticized, and that that seemed to work out okay for them and him. Uh, doesn't seem like he's going anywhere too ticked off anytime soon. So I, I think you're going. To, I think we're gonna have to wait until next season. The flip side to that coin, though, Matt, is uh, a pitcher coming in next season and knowing that you know you're up and now it's time to go. And you get dinged up in your first three starts, and there goes your your confidence. I think you can build a lot of confidence with two or three starts in a you know non comprehensive campaign. The this, this season before mm-hmm. you're going to be called up in full. I think that that has served guys well in the past to get that taste to understand what they do well, what maybe they don't do well at the professional level, and what you can work on for a six month period between the end of the minor league season, and the beginning of your first professional campaign. I think that that's just as important as keeping a guy keeping a guy on ice and, um, I don't know, protecting his ego on that side, if that's what you're saying. It's, it's a valid point, and I, I think, I, I know we both brought up, you know, cases in the past or cited certain situations in the past where you work. I think that the important thing to remember, too, is everybody's different, and just because something worked for somebody doesn't mean, like, there, there's this certain trend that you have to follow for things to work for, you know, the, these two guys right now, they're different cases. And look, the Sox know them better than anybody. They know them better than us. And is Eloy Jimenez ready to come up here? Absolutely. He's 100% ready to come up here. He's done all he can do in the minors, but at the same time, if they, like I said, if they want that extra year of service time and save them, you know, one more year of uh, them one more year at a, at a cheaper rated, cheaper deal before having to pay him all his money. Cause he's going to get that money at some point. It seems uh-huh. like Eloy is the most can't-miss prospect we've had on the South Side ever, yeah. honestly. Um, but I, I think the one thing I was kind of thinking about, too, with Rick Hunt and why it wouldn't, I guess, shock me to see either of those guys come up here is because he does have this history in the past of calling up these prospects, and after them showing him something for six months, he signed them fairly large deals or you know paid them a good amount of money early tim anderson's on i think a six-year 51 million dollar deal so while that's not breaking the bank that's also telling a kid hey here's 50 million dollars you've only played four months in the major leagues he did the same thing with chris sale chris sale signed that uh it wasn't a massive deal but i think it was like a six-year i forgot how much money he got but it was like 70 some million dollars and while he's way below market value now it's 75 million dollars is life-changing money same thing with jose quintana and that's what made those guys kind of those incredible trade chips that got them back even more than they were worth yeah so that that's i guess the one reason the one thing that keeps me thinking that maybe you might see these guys come up here because rick Hahn thinks like hey they're gonna have you know good couple months and then we'll be able to or i'm going to try to sign them to that you know long-term deal really early and kind of buy out those those arbitration years right away but yeah. we'll see. But the uh, you're going to get to the juncture as well, and I don't know how severe it is right now, but you're going to get to the juncture where you got to give fans a reason to keep buying the tickets and wanting to come and uh, wanting to be in the seats. And we've we've talked about the the apathy that uh, that we've had for the Bears in years past, but that's uh, we're going on a, nearly a decade of apathy with. Uh, I, I'm going to. Let me argue with there for one one quick. Please do because you sold away, and I understand what it takes to build if you're trying to rebuild and what you have to do. But you sold away the face of the franchise in Chris Sale, and now you have two guys in Avi Garcia and Jose Abreu that have been wildly undermarketed. And what I do understand is a that a market where they do play second fiddle could be Babe Ruth. You're always going to play second fiddle to the Cubs, but. This has not been a captivating team for any reason for a very long time now. See, I, I, I'm going to agree with you until about when Moncada got brought up last year. Because, and this isn't. Yeah, there was two I, weeks of excitement. No, no, okay, let, let me let me finish. Don't yell at me. Okay, I let you talk. Let me talk. Go ahead. Um, this is, I guess, I, I've been a little bit closer to the situation than you have simply because of my proximity to being here and all that stuff. I know it seems maybe from the outside that this hasn't been a captivating team or a captivating rebuild, but if you look at attendance numbers, they, I, I guarantee you they would beg to differ. I was at a Sox game on Sunday that had probably 31,000 Sunday's people. an albatross. Tell me what the park looks like on a Tuesday night. I, you know, I'm going tonight, and I will happily report to you back. I, I, I've been to some Tuesday night games this year. I've been to some Wednesday night games this year. And while they're not great, 
it is I bet you could walk up to the used to I bet be. you could walk up to the scout seats and get a hot dog for free. Joe, that is always going to be the case until this team is an, you know, an AL Central <clears throat> contender, and I don't think it matters really. I mean, yeah, you could call up Eloy right now, and like it was with Moncada last year, you get a nice two week spike in attendance, and then it'll go back to his regular, you know, Fridays and Saturdays. There's a ton of people there. Sundays, there's a ton of people there, and then in the week, there's not many people. That that's just kind of how this team or, goes. Or call or, or call him up, get that two week spike, but win some goddamn baseball games and create generate interest through that. Doesn't have to just be about the player. The player is supposed to be a part of a larger whole, and that larger whole is supposed to be the captivating entity for this audience. I guess it just all, hasn't been. I. I guess we, we're going to agree to disagree there because I have been – I know it's been a little bit of a tough rebuild, and I, maybe this is part of it, Carlos Rodon uh, being hurt and then kind of being th- you know, thrown back into the rotation midseason, which is kind of giving you know, a, a little bit new life, a little bit someone new to watch every five days. But with the ex- – there's no offense to James Shields. Like with the exception of James Shields starts, I'm excited each and every night to tune in and see if Lucas Giolito is figuring out, to see if Ronaldo Lopez can shake off a slump, to see if Carlos Rodon is still developing kind of into that ace we'd hope he was. Like there, There's still some things to watch. I'm still very excited in watching Yohan Moncada's progress. I'm, I'm very excited to watch Tim Anderson. And I, I get that there's this, this need to call people up and kind of keep attention, but I do think amongst this fan base, even compared to last year, compared to two years ago, it's night and day with how excited they are. And while people are itchy to see those next wave come up. I think people get that it's just yeah. we're being patient. We're overcooking these guys. One thing I will give Rick Hahn I, I, I guess I guess he's, he's from day one, Rick Hahn has said, we're not rushing this. We're doing this at our pace. We're taking this slow and steady. We're going to let – we're going. he has said, we're going to kind of overcook guys down there, and that's yeah. that's okay. The Astros, I guess, four, uh, the Astros went three straight years without winning 60 ball games. The, and the it main turned out fresh- okay for them. The main frustration in it is probably born out of the fact that we just watched a rebuild yeah. over the last mm-hmm. half decade, six miles There's away. There's been a rebuilding team from in Chicago the G- for like 10 but, years now. But I don't remember the lulls as I do with this Sox rebuild. I that's remember there being a much more fervent pace to the rebuild on the north side. That's because they and, were the And Cubs. I believe it worked. That's because they were the Cubs. That's because, like you said, the Sox are always going to play second fiddle in this town. That's because the, I'm a Sox fan. I'm not. A, I won't be afraid to admit it. The Cubs are always going to play first fiddle. You know, they're always going to be the top dog in this town, even when the Sox are hopefully five years down the you know down the road, kind of just entering that window, and the Cubs mm-hmm. are kind of on the backside of their window. I mean, the Cubs are still going to be you know the the, the fan favorite team in this town. There's just more Cubs fans in this town than Sox fans. That's just a fact. And that's because for whatever reason, that that's kind of how it's always been. I think that their atmosphere and stuff on the North side kind of speaks a little bit more to a, a younger generation, gets more people in and out of the stadium. But that's why the Cubs rebuild went the way it did. And it, it seemed to go fast, but trust me, it, it, it was pretty slow. It was, I mean, 2011, I think is when they started it. They didn't start doing anything of significance until 2014. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the clock is ticking. I know what you mean, Joe. I'm, I'm I'm nervous. I'm not nervous, but I'm anxious. <laughs> I want it's, a year and a half. Seems like it's been five. Just as uh, just as the clock is ticking on the White Sox uh, rebuild, the clock is ticking on the Cubbies window. And while that does seem like one of the bigger windows in baseball, uh, we'll see if they make any moves here going into the break that can uh, perhaps extend that window for. Eight months, and then hopefully five years after that. So you know, we will see uh, if anything happens here in the next few hours. Those windows are pretty interesting because I'm, and I'm not saying this is going to happen to the Cubs. I don't think it will. I think for the next seven or so years, their window is going to be wide open. But the Nationals this year have kind of shown that those windows can be shut rather abruptly, I think it, lo- it looks like. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody, if you would have asked them at the beginning of this year, thought the Nationals' window was anywhere close to close. But it, right now it looks like they are uh, – staring down the the face of a possible rebuild or something close to it if, if Bryce Harper is going to walk out the door. Uh, a fickle beast and uh, plenty to watch between now and November, Matt. But uh, let's keep this thing trucking in the right direction. Uh, we do need to go back. Can, can, I, can I release a little the, bit of breaking uh, news for a podcast, which is great? Go the ahead. Did go not ahead. get Brad Ziegler. He's going to the Diamondbacks. One of the Diamondbacks. Being reported on multiple sources. Neither the A's or the Cubs. Just like we predicted. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, That's breaking news here on the Moose and Noons podcast. 
Uh, we're bringing you breaking news via podcast uh, each week, uh, trying to break something uh, and not not a bone, hopefully. But uh, Matt, we got uh, we got to keep it moving here. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've talked, and uh, your prediction did not come to fruition. It did look like it was going to for a moment. I was there. really close, wasn't I? I was close. You were. Tiger Woods in serious contention at the Ritis Open, the uh, the most serious contention he's been in at a major in the better part of a decade. Uh, it was so exciting to watch when he had the solo lead there, nine holes in. Uh, I started feeling like it was going to happen. I started feeling like this was the Sunday that we'll remember. And uh, I actually even started – it might be my fault that he that he folded nah, because – I think it's my fault. I, I was Googling old Tiger Woods images – and I was just going to put a collage of pictures up on my Instagram story, just calling haters out, um, praising praising our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It was gonna it was gonna be a lot. It was, was gonna be a lot. Was that the same and, time I tweeted at you to, to put on the T-shirt? Um, no, that was slightly <laughs> after. You told me to put on the T-shirt, but that was slightly after. Uh, so it was it was an exciting Sunday, nonetheless. Uh, Francesco Molinari, a uh, a, a worthy. Winner of that uh, claret jug. What was no it th- bo- thirty-seven straight holes without a bogey? No Something bogeys like on. Yeah, no bogeys on the weekend. He was absolutely fantastic. He wasn't spectacular. No, he but he, he was. Didn't, efficient. He didn't shock. He didn't wow. He was efficient, and that's that's what that tournament takes a lot of time. Uh, congratulations on being the first Italian to ever win a major championship. But moving forward from the British, Matt, what do you think? Do you think the new Tiger Woods, this guy that we're dealing with? Do you think that he takes positives from from these situations? Do you think that he's moving forward with a clear mind, or do you think being that close might hang with him? I kind of think it's going to hang with him a little bit. I I, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, It seems like something like that, though. I mean, he was never really the same. Excuse me. After the Ye Yang thing, when he when he had that lead and kind of blew it. Yeah, he hasn't won a major since then. I know a lot of a lot more has gone into it than that, but it, it seems like it might stick with him. He seemed a little bit. I think you tweeted about it how he just seemed a little bit shook after uh, what was it the, the the tee shot that hit the dude in the stands. Like he just seemed like once he kind of got a look at that leaderboard. Yeah, he just he got seemed like again. he seemed hesitant. Seemed like a different guy, and I'm, I'm hoping that was just jitters because he hadn't felt it in a while. But it, until he shows me otherwise, I know he's Tiger, but he's not tiger anymore if that you, you know what i mean he's yeah, not the and, same old tiger and I, I i'm i'm it might just be a temporary thing but i wouldn't see be surprised to see him you know struggle a little bit in the pga especially because you know i feel like links golf and british open golf is much better to the style he plays nowadays but I, I also think that that has to be lingering in the back of his mind i hope it's not but I, I think it has to be just a little bit yeah and you know that's that's what we need to realize about Tiger Woods is that when he's got it going, he's still one of the best out there. But like a normal human being, not an extraterrestrial, he doesn't always have it going. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's the reality of golf. That wasn't Tiger Woods' reality throughout the late '90s and early 2000s. But that's the reality of golf. And, and Tiger Woods, while one of the greatest, if not the greatest, to ever play the game, is mortal. He's a he's a human. He is a part of the field now. He wasn't a part of the field before. It mm-hmm. was the field and Tiger Woods. Will Tiger run away with it? Will Tiger um, you know, play poorly enough to give other guys a shot? Now it's Tiger Woods is in the middle of the pack, and he's got to have four great days of golf in order to put himself even in a position to win, just like every single one of yeah. his other very talented players. So I think that he has started to adopt that expectation. That's why I don't think that this will linger with him for too long. Will it hurt? Will he look back on it 15, 20 years from now and say, that might have been my best shot at getting another major? Perhaps. We don't know. We, we won't know until we get there. But I think that he understands that he's human, he's part of the field, and it's going to take a lot to win a tournament. He's going to have another go at it this weekend at the WGC Bridgestone mm-hmm. and Firestone Country Club in Akron, that uh, that one kicking off on Thursday, going to be a star-studded field. Uh, I believe he's going off with Hideki Matsuyama and Jason Day for his opening two rounds. So appointment television right there. I don't care if it's a major or not. Yeah, and I, I think another thing you kind of said that stuck with me a little bit there in, in, in your talk was he's he's back to being, you know, when he's on, he's one of the best players. You know, he's, he's as good as anybody. 
when it used he to led be, the, he led the field in fairways. Oh, I'm, I'm well, as I said, Joe, he hits those low stingers in the British. Yeah, he true. could do that. Yeah. Um, back in the day, I mean, and those state in the obvious back in the day when he had it going, he wasn't one of the best players. He no, was by no. far the if best. If Tiger player. had it going, and it was a foregone conclusion. I think it's maybe just going to take a little bit, while, uh, you know, a little while to kind of figure that out again. And Tiger hadn't been in a lead in a major, and I'm not going to speculate what was going through his mind, but might have just kind of reverted all like, oh, it's Sunday in a major and I'm winning. Game over. I just won the tournament. Like, it, it, yeah. would it shock you if that kind of entered his mind a little bit, even not not intentionally, but just out of sure habit because that's what it used to be that used to be habit for him i'm leading on a sunday on the back nine i won the tournament i don't yeah. know i'm just kind of I'm, I'm, I'm grasping at straws here no bit, i but, i doubt yeah. that that was the case i think it was more the opposite end of that and it was i'm leading on a sunday what, what do, do i do, do? <laughs> i haven't been here in, in 10 years hmm. so um either way it was good to have tiger in contention it was uh it was a GM-packed leaderboard. I think going into the final round, there was something like 17 guys within four shots of the lead. So I think the bigger uh, story, Tiger will always be the biggest story, but the bigger story, I think, to the, the intense golf fan was Jordan Spieth just kind of, I'll say, choking it down up. the stretch. He just folded yeah. like a lawn chair, man. That was terrible. Yeah, his, uh, his putter has really escaped him, and I think that that's... That's uh, why he was so elite, was because his putter was so great. It was. Like, he, he couldn't putt for anything. It was, and for a young guy like that, 25, 26 years old, he uh, he'll get it back. He'll 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 find the stroke again. Oh, one hundred percent dominant. But... He'll have another stretch. He'll have another year where he wins two majors, and uh, I have no doubt in that. But uh, you didn't want to see that happen, and a couple other guys uh, fell to the wayside too. That was that was what was telling about that tournament was that. It wasn't going to be the big hitter. It wasn't going to be the big name. It was going to be the guy who could play the most consistent golf, and that man won the tournament. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. speaking of British Opens, uh-huh. can we talk had, about where I played, or is you that had your own? Yeah, give us no, give us, give us the, uh, give us the game, the 2019 Open for us. Give us the course overview on Royal Portrush. You know, I it, there weren't as many bunkers as I kind of expected there to be. If that makes sense, and you, you think of underwhelmed kind of like by the bunkers. No, I. I, 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 fair enough. I, I didn't say I wasn't underwhelmed by the bunkers. I guess I was underwhelmed by the amount of bunkers. Got it. Um, it, it's it's kind of hard to describe. It, it's it, kind of your classic links course. It, it's it's mm-hmm. wide open. There's there's a lot of room to miss, but you have to kind of miss in the right spot if you're going to do so. Luckily, we played on, on not such a windy day. Uh, we mm. we kind of benefited from that. It was only about five or ten miles an hour, and you know, eventually you get some gusts up to twenty. But uh, I think it's going to be a scorable course. It's going to be challenging, but uh, it's going to be a really fun course to watch these guys on. Joe? I'm pouring coffee. I'm listening. Go ahead. Okay, you know what? It's, <laughs> it's a weekly hoping, ritual. I was hoping you were pouring coffee. I guess. Well, it, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, here comes the milk. Here comes the milk. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll hold milk. on for the milk. Okay. Well, you missed the milk. Keep talking. No, it was just it was a very fun course to play. It, it's going to be – obviously, we didn't play from the tips – uh, it's going to be fun to see these guys play it from the tips. Uh, th- there's a lot of challenging greens and a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of challenging greens, but it's one of those courses where it's not terribly difficult to be on the green, but if yeah. you're not on the green in the right spot, you're in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's going to be fun to watch these guys play a course that I just got to play a year ago, I guess, selfishly. that that That's going to be, I think, the, the most fun part for me. And like I told oh, you, Joe, it's a fantastic pro shop. Big, big fan of the pro shop. Nice pro shop. Spent way now, too much money in the pro shop than I should have. I've been keeping an eye on my uh, on my mailbox here, and I know I guess if we're going uh, podcast partner gifts, it is my turn. Yeah. So all, you know, it, but it, I also but had, I also wasn't just at Royal Port Rush. So had, you know, there's had you answered the bell and returned a gift, you might have gotten something sent to you. But, you know, so I, I choked on it. I yeah, knew that. Okay. That was you know you that's, were tiger on the back nine at Carnoustie there. That's uh, that's me, Matt. But uh, what uh, your biggest? Um, you know, you talked about how you were. Maybe let's let's just call it underwhelmed by the amount of bunkers there. What is going to be the defense of this course when the world's best are out there a year from now if the wind is down, or does it just become an extremely scorable spot? You know, I I think it does become uh, fairly scorable for these guys. I don't think any you're going to see people up at you know twenty under par or anything. But if the wind's down, I mean, oh, I forgot where it was last year, but when we saw that Henry or not last year, a couple years ago, when Henrik Stenson and, and Phil had that kind of epic duel back and forth. I think mm-hmm. you might be able to see a tournament where people are finishing it, you know, 14, 15 under. 
Um, but it's, uh, I think you're going to have to be in the fairway. And I know that's, you can say that just about any tournament, but I think uh, in, in more so this year than maybe we've seen in Lynx Golf in the past, it, it, there's not so much of a first cut. Uh, it's, it's a lot more you're in the fairway or you're kind of in the crap. Um, Got it. As the lawn is being cut back there, they're cutting the first cut down, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. I'm actually on scene right now, making sure that That's the rough is being tended to properly. But no, but, it, it uh, was a, it was an absolutely beautiful course. Uh, it wasn't all that difficult to get to, and mm-hmm. uh, if if you get the chance to do an Irish golf trip, I think you absolutely have to have that one on your list. It wasn't the most uh, wasn't the most expensive golf round of golf I've ever played, so that that was also kind of nice. Very nice. Uh, the, the, the rental clubs were fantastic. Gave us some, uh, I think it was some Titleist AP1s. Mm, so they, aristocrat. They, they did not have the, uh, I, I struggled a little bit, they didn't have the, the stiff shaft in the in the lefty clubs, Joe. Uh, so I was using okay. the regular. The amount of whip I felt on that driver freaked me out yeah. a little bit for a while. You're, not used to that. You're, you're feeling a little laggy just with that, feeling with, a that little massive, bit laggy. Yeah. with that massive swing speed of yours, Matt. Oh, hey. I have an I have an extra stiff shaft on my driver, Joe. So okay, well now now no things are getting really personal, so we need no to move deal. on. But uh, <laughs> it uh, it was obviously a fantastic uh, experience for you to be out there on uh, one of the one of the game's greatest courses and, and a place that will be the home to the 2019 Open Championship. Uh, I believe the 147. If I'm not mistaken, uh, 40, if I think it's 48, 48, I believe it's, it's, I, it's I have a pin flag right. in my room, but I'm not in my room. Uh, I believe it's mere, mere details. But Matthew, you also went on a fantastic trip with some of Wesleyan's best. After that. Um, if you could, if you can give us some PG 13 highlights uh, of the trip, what were, what were your big European impressions? Because I know if I know Matt Rooney, he's a homebody. He, he loved, he loves him some comfort. He loves him. Loves him uh, an afternoon on the couch as we all do. Wow, as we all do. But uh, you were you were cast out into the world. You were put into maybe some situations where you had to be a little bit more uh, a little bit more curious with your exploration. Uh, how was uh, how was Europe? What were your takeaways? You know me a little bit better than I thought you did. Um, <laughs> let's see. It, it uh, didn't spend enough time in Ireland, Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. to kind of get the feel of it. I, I spent enough time there to know that I'd like to go on a, on a golf trip there at some point. And also, Dublin kind of is what it is. I, I kind of saw it, walked around. It's not like a some awesome Ooh, city you need to go back to. I love to. Not, Dublin. I didn't think it was bad, Dublin's, but at the same Dublin's time... Dublin's nightlife was fantastic. Well, that might be a different... I didn't really have much time <laughs> to, uh, to experience the nightlife there. Um, but I kind of got to do... Uh, I know you're saying I'm a little bit of a homebody, like to kind of stay in one place. I kind of got to do both ends of the spectrum there because when we got to, you know, Rob's town, uh, excuse me, the big schnitzel's town in Graz, Graz, Austria, you know, I was with somebody who had lived there for the past six months. So he kind of had his his routines, like, you know, this is where we go. This is kind of what we're going to do. So we just kind of went to a bar, stayed at the same bar for a while, and then went out to a different bar. And that was kind of more or less like a, a typical night I'm used to here which was kind of nice. I, I will say we, we took a train from Graz to Vienna to catch our flight the next morning. Mm-hmm. It was a 5.30 a.m. train, and I didn't sleep, like a, I didn't sleep like a wink of it because the taking the train through like the, those hills and mountains of, of, of Austria was absolutely unbelievable. I'm not sure. Have you driven through the Appalachians to like Tennessee and all that stuff at all? Uh, have I? No, I have not. I've okay. only driven through western mountain ranges. Okay. Well, imagine those like driving through the Rockies and stuff, but instead of snow cap, they're pretty much all you know green mountain, like you know, mm. all trees and all that stuff. It was it was incredibly cool to see. And then when he got to London, London was a little bit of a different animal. Joe, we had a, a much bigger crew there. Uh, we were about twelve of us packed into like a eight person Airbnb. Um, nice. A lot of walking in London, Joe. That wasn't. This was the other side. <laughs> of the I was waiting a for of, that. A lot of walking. I, I definitely checked the phone, the uh, the health app, to see how many steps, how many miles I'd walked. I want to say in the three days in London, I walked close to twenty miles, twenty five so, miles. That was a lot. My legs hurt. You got, a your, bit. You got your workout in. I did you get my workout in. in. I didn't doubt. have to feel about, bad about not working out the entire trip because I, I got my workout in. It was it was cool to see. Uh, a lot a lot of cool things. Unfortunately, Big Ben was under construction, so you just kind of saw the. Uh, the clock but again it's just a clock we have those here too oh i thought you guys saw roethlisberger oh no he was uh he was actually standing underneath big ben but he was also under construction gotcha um yeah, yeah uh, th- i mean we, we saw all the sites you'd expect us to see in london um can't really walk you through what we saw because you just kind of go there you see it and you go away yeah 
Yeah, it was all uh, all good times and memories that you made with some friends. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, the, the nightlife in London was a fun time. I will say that we, we, we had some fun we, times. Very nice. Uh, we we apologize to our viewers for uh, abandoning you there for about a week and a half, but uh, podcasters have lives too, and uh, we appreciate you being patient with us. Uh, Hand with up, that that's set. on me. I'll take. That, I'll own that. That's on me. That, I decided that is on Matt. That I can only record Matt. so many podcasts from Europe, guys. That's true. That's true. You know, you got you got uh, roaming charges. It's yeah. roaming charges, so can't have that. But uh, Matt, what do you say we jump into some segments? Give the people what they want here. Let's do it. I think we have the same. Uh, we have we, we're we're both attacking this grievance, right? Uh, oh yeah, we got From grievance. Both sides. No, we, we'll, hit it. I'll hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. No. You're gonna hear about You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, cause I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, why don't you start us off? I feel like you, you're more of the eloquent guy to piece this all together, and then I'll just kind of chime in with bits and pieces. How's that sound, Joe? Uh, that's fine, and this might be kind of a role reversal here because Ooh. I am I am worried about it. I'm nervous about it. I am grieving about it. I'm uh, about to air said grieving grievance. Hence the but, name of the uh, segment. But I'm not going to get fired up about it because uh, it's it's not surprising. the The Bears have uh, once again given their fan base a reason to be nervous, a reason to be worried. Uh, first round pick Rokon Smith who promises to be the future of the Bears defense, the guy that was going to turn it all around and be the next monster of the midway, a guy who we were all excited about and convinced about going into the draft. We get him here. They make the right pick. Now they can't get the kids signed. And uh, the new thing this year that happened elsewhere with Sam Darnold's contract and a couple others, and now with Roquan's, is the fact that they're negotiating language in the contract. That's a new thing this year. They can't come to terms on the language of the contract. Well, I don't think that Roquan has any worries about the language of the contract. This is an agent and this is a team and these are negotiations that have happened hundreds of thousands of times before. There are rookie pay scales. There is a window that you have to pay this man within. There isn't that much to figure out. Why is our first round pick not at camp? We are two weeks into camp and three days, two days away from the first preseason game. Why are we putting ourselves behind the eight ball again? Well, uh, did, are you, you done? Yeah, go ahead. Just wanted to make sure you weren't. Uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe's that not wasn't getting, a pregnant Joe, pause. Joe's not you know getting, I love a pregnant Joe's pause. Joe's not getting fired up, guys. Don't worry. He's not getting fired up. No, that up. wasn't it. I kept that. I kept that. Well, for, for Joe fired up, yeah, Mild. he get fired up. Uh, well, I mean, the the rumor, the report is that it's it's basically over. Like, the Bears don't want to guarantee his bonus if he violates, like, the new helmet rule or whatever it is which is something that Tremaine Edmonds got given to him in Buffalo. And I, I forget, I'm blank on the other names. Pretty much any rookie, every team has given, you know, caved with the rookie and given them the benefit of the doubt. Like, that's such a no-brainer. And this is why just this ownership, this president group, whatever you want to call them, is just so irritating. Because clearly this isn't Ryan Pace saying no. Because we've seen situations like this with previous general managers, you know, uh, front office types and all that. It's it's not Ryan Pace. This is just management not wanting to cave. They, they don't want to be cheap. They want to be able to take back every penny they can if, you know, if need be and all that stuff. And it's just, it's irritating to see because like you said, this is the guy we were told to get excited about. This is the guy everybody was excited about when they drafted him. This is the guy that everybody followed in, in rookie OTAs and OTAs and from all reports was doing really well and all that stuff. And now, well, well you know, we don't want to, we, we don't want to guarantee him a couple million dollars here, so we're going to just wait. We're going to hold off. And I, I know it's probably more the agent doing it so than Roquan, but at the same time, if he's if Roquan's getting if, – if Tremaine Edmonds is getting some stuff that he's, he's getting this exact thing in his contract, why shouldn't Roquan Smith, who's picked 10 picks, 7 picks, whatever it was before him, get the same thing? Uh, it's it's yeah. just – it's. I don't want to say it's cheap, but that's what it comes off as. Maybe they do have their reasons, and if they do, maybe they should state them. But it just—it doesn't—it it gives the franchise another bad look. It gives the people who say that this is a poorly run franchise from the top, uh, you know, more ammo. If yeah. that makes sense. It's—it's uh, it's looking more and more like that is the situation because 
as you said, uh, guaranteed money has become par for the course for these early picks, and uh, I don't know why. The he's a first-round just... pick. He's not going to be cut after four years. Who cares if you're guaranteeing him his money? Yeah, it's uh, it's an unfortunate situation that he's now going to be behind the eight ball on the learning curve side, and uh, that we're getting to the point where it could affect week one. Yeah, and I that's, mean, if he's uh, not, I mean, luckily, that's unnerving. Luckily, I know he's late to camp, but at the same time, the Bears started camp early, so I, I guess they do have that going for them a little bit. But now you're getting to the point where he really is, you know, late for even late when a normal camp. camp would start. He's a he's a week late to normal camp. And now, so it, I mean, the odd thing is, I, I agree with everybody, but no one's blaming him at all, and I, I he's not at fault here. I don't think his agents really even at fault here. I mean, at some point, his agents looking out for what's best, you know, the best interest in his client. At some point, what's in the best interest in his client is getting him into camp. And if the Bears and, are just trying to outweigh that, I, I think they're just, again, risking burning future bridges. Yeah, you're never going to win anything because no one's going to want to come and play for you. And I never fault the player in an NFL scenario because of because how the, poor their collective yeah. bargaining agreement is. You have to go get your money, and you got to get your money early because this is a violent sport. Your shelf life is short, and if you're in the small minority of players, you might have a 10-year career in which you make maybe $100 million. And unless you're a quarterback, then yeah. obviously it's a different world. But for all these other players with non-guaranteed money and non-guaranteed contracts, every day holds something different, and that day could possibly hold the end of your career. Uh, th- this this begs a different question and a different conversation of when this collective bargaining agreement is when the players association is negotiating again what they need to get done for their players but it has never made sense to me that the most violent sport is the least guaranteed and yeah. uh these guys Which makes me need pretty worried up. for their next collective bargaining agreement to be honest with you because i don't think that's lost on the players no and the owners know just how much bargaining power and how much leverage that they have so we might uh we might have a season without football but let, let's not get don't ahead of that. ourselves don't here. say that we we just need the players to keep looking out for themselves and hope the bears can come to their senses and give this kid what he wants. Exactly. And end this on a high note, Joe, I'm not sure if you, you saw this floating around on Twitter yesterday. We now have for, for every week until February 2nd, we have a football game. So let's, let's end this, this, this talk on a high note, this grievance with, with that little nugget, with that little high note, we have football every week from now until February. I just got, I just got goosebumps. I know. Right. I, I legitimately just it's, got it's goosebumps. Unbelievable. We made so it. That's, we're That's here. very exciting stuff. Um, if, do you want a quick quick West West Coast report here? Sure. Uh, Raiders. Niners. How's Jimmy G doing? Uh, Jimmy G is looking fantastic. He yeah. put uh, he put his uh, his his dinner date behind him, if you oh, will. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, and uh, he's he's moved on, but he's looking fantastic at practice. Uh, he's got Pierre Garcon out there. Uh, speed of Goodwin, you know, a little bit undersized when it comes to the 49ers uh, wide receiver core, but uh, a lot of tools there. I, For as embattled as he is and, and as much drama as there was over the offseason, Ruben Foster is an avatar. And watching that man just warm up and the way he changes direction at the size he has and how fast he is. They were going through a walkthrough drill or like a half-speed drill, and you're supposed to just wrap up. And you could see him attempting to just wrap up. He wasn't being, he wasn't being extra. He wasn't, he wasn't going harder than other guys. But just his sheer force put like three guys on the turf where they had to take him out of the drill the other day. He is an absolute monster who's going to be fun to watch play football. And hopefully, you know, he, he can find some peace in his life as well and just so, uh, stick, stick to the game. So basically on the practice field, he's like the anti-Mike Kraft. Uh, he is. Okay. He is. He he understands the limits and still finds a way to gotcha. uh, to push past them, rather than not understanding the limits and still finding a way to push past them. There so you go. That's a uh, that's a it's a well made point. But uh, Niners Thanks, are looking Joe. good. Should be uh should be a fun season, and uh, the Raiders are as well. A little bit longer in the tooth, but uh, when you got Chucky, when you got uh, Marshawn all in the same place, it's it's bound to be fireworks. So I'm excited um, to be- watch the Oakland Raiders this year going to be some good sound bites out of Oakland if nothing else and good or bad it's is, going to be entertaining and there is such an air of suppression about their move to Las Vegas that like Raider fans still haven't come to terms with it they think something's still going to happen where they're going to stay where they're not nope. but uh but it is a completely uh, out of sight out of mind situation right now so oh 
that's at least good. I'm that happy that fan base is still going to be able to enjoy, or still able to enjoy them now while they still can for the next six months, and that's it. Huh? Uh, all right, Matt. Well, let's uh, let's jump into some segments here. Do a little buy or sell. You want to start us off? I can start us off, Joe. Did you did you hear a Rod's comments on you, Darvish? The, the basically ripping him for you know being around and kind of being soft, all that type of stuff, being a distraction. I did. So I I'm, I'm going to ask you: Are you with a Rod? Are you, you going to buy or sell that you know Darvis shouldn't be rehabbing with the team? He should kind of be off doing his own thing in Arizona, getting healthy and kind of taking the, the spotlight, the attention off himself a little bit. Um, as much as I'd love to agree with a Rod, I, I have to go the other direction on this one, be- just because of the way that a Rod presented this information on. Was it Sunday Night Baseball? Yeah, Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. The way he presented it in front of a national crowd on Sunday Night Baseball, he was doing exactly what he was, I guess, giving lip service to you Darvish for. He was putting you Darvish in the spotlight when there was a game going on. I mean, they zoomed in on the guy, clapping for players on the top step, uh, standing with some of his teammates, being engaged in the game. I think it would be a bigger distraction if he was in Arizona doing his own thing away from the team. So it really didn't make sense what A-Rod was trying to say there. I think A-Rod was trying to fill some air during a broadcast. He's always been very good at that and done a good Mm -hmm. job with that. But when you start making factual claims, insider claims that are untrue, then you start towing a very dangerous line. And I think A-Rod was in the wrong on this one. He very well might have been, but I guess the one thing that kind of keeps me reserved, and might, maybe it was he was killing time and you know needed to fill some air, but with the, the detail he went into and, and kind of the anecdotes or whatever he was kind of talking about, it made me seem like somebody might have kind of leaked it to him. Not, you know, didn't say, you know, you can say this from an anonymous player, but basically was just telling A-Rod, you know, firsthand, you know, this is kind of what's going on. This is what some people feel in the clubhouse. Maybe not. He might have just been trying to fill air, but he also kind of went into some some specific detail, kind of came out of nowhere. So maybe that leads me to believe that there might be something more to what he said and he wasn't just saying it, you know, because he felt like saying it and ripping you, Darvish. But again, I, I have no idea of knowing that. That just is me trying to find, you know, a, a reason to disagree with you here. No, I, I totally get that. You can see it from, uh, from a different standpoint. But uh, this just – even just the sound of A-Rod's voice in this one made it feel like he was standing on one leg. And uh, I think that um, an apology is definitely in order. Oh. A-Rod's going to be A-Rod. He's also probably not going to apologize. Did you, see the statement, did you see the statement put out by you, Darvish's uh, Oh, he yeah, absolutely tore into him. Where he just tore into him and then called him out. Yeah, um, that was, that he was kind of awesome. Sorry, he didn't abandon his team like you did while you were suspended or something for yeah. the to the fact very good very good well done uh matt buy or sell and there's gonna be a theme to mine this week Ooh. buy or sell fish and chips love it buy it couldn't buy it anymore you're, big you're fish buying and fish guy. and chips big fish you're, and chips guy you're in on fish and i chips. have fish okay. and chips probably every day i was in london um buy or sell room temperature beer I was actually okay with the ones they had in London because they were colder than room temperature, but I was told like the, the way they pump it, it's like almost like like you know, like pumping beer from a well instead of using like the carbonation like keg system that we use here. So it actually oh, made the disgusting. beer, you know, it, it made the beer very smooth. It, there wasn't mm. like really much carbonation. You know, you kind of drink a beer and you feel you, you need to burp kind of a couple times you have a beer. There was none of that. Uh-huh. There was a very smooth beer. I actually kind of liked it and I can see what where they're coming from with it so i can i can buy that because it wasn't if it was like actually room temperature i would have been anti but it was definitely colder than room temperature buy or sell the guinness in ireland tastes better than the guinness in the united states you know i might buy it by like just a little bit but it wasn't like oh my they god both this tastes is such like a better they both taste like warm water with a handful of pennies in it well to me. so it was, I, love, I thought I, both I, of them were gross i'm a big guinness guy um i will say you could probably taste like the, the Guinness here has different. maybe like Definitely a little. Different. It has like a little bit of a chemical-ish type after chemical yeah. is the wrong Packaged. word, but like, yeah, you, you didn't have that small hint of an aftertaste in Ireland. But that was it. I mean, it's it's the same beer, just without that little hint of an aftertaste to me. Buy or sell Irish whiskey is better than American whiskey. This is going to be uh, in general, or just their their brands are better. Than uh, ours? I'm. I'm, I'm assuming that did you do a little tasting? See, I, we didn't. Uh, we, when we were in, in Dublin, we got to the Jameson factory. See, and, I would have uh, loved to it, do that. It, we didn't have the time in Dublin. We we got to Dublin. Mm-hmm. We kind of got to walk around for an hour and a half, and then we had to be on a train up to Belfast. Then we woke up in Belfast, had to be on a train. God, to you're Port a jet Rush. setter. You're and then jet you know, we were done with golf, and we didn't get back to Dublin until ten. And then we had a uh, a flight out at you know we had to be up for our flight at four a.m. the next morning. So it wasn't really much time to do the whiskey thing. 
Um, but I did have some Jameson in London, and that was delicious. I will say, overall, I usually favor the Irish whiskey over the American whiskey. So, sure, I'll buy it. All right. Uh, Matt, final one here. Buy or sell figgy pudding? Didn't have it. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if that's an I don't even know what it is. It's, it's, it, it does sound very English. I didn't have any tea. I didn't have a spot of tea either. It was more of a... You didn't have a spot of tea? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. Um, now, can I, did you can guys... I, can I vent about you, something? Well, there? I was going to say, were you on the... You weren't on the Amsterdam leg of the trip, were you? Uh, I was not. And okay. um, I'll keep it as PG-13 I had, as I can. I say, I'm kind of okay with that. Uh, well, I had... No, no, no. It's a, it's a place you must experience. It's... Uh, if nothing else, a beautiful city, um, aesthetically, architecturally, it's gorgeous. Um, their finest exports and imports obviously have their own allure. But I was—I had a whole nother—I had a whole nother list of buy or sells for you if you, you know were what? on the answer. Here's what: maybe, 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 maybe next week we can get the big schnitzel on here, and you can ask him those buy or sells. Well, he's—you know—he's buying it all. So oh, he, yeah, hundred percent from <laughs> what I saw on his Snapchat. Oh God. Uh, do I have one more? I have one more for you, right? You're, yeah, you're hit me with one. Oh, before I needed to vent something. Yeah, I'd wrap it for you. They don't have air conditioning, really, for the most Love part. It. There was very little air conditioning, and that bothered me. It was like 85 degrees, which was apparently a heat wave for them. It doesn't sound that bad. But when you're indoors and the sun's out pretty much all day and you're with, like, you know, 12 people in an eight-person house, that gets hot, Joe. And it now you were work. Were you guys the biggest people in all of Europe? Because I tra- when I traveled junior year, I obviously traveled with – some, some larger humans, your Parker Carrolls, your Nick Barchettos, your Kevin Callahan. We, we, we definitely stood out amongst the rest, I would say. Yeah. I was going to say, little people. All little, little people. I, uh, w- with the exception of Dublin, I, I believe Matt Seagert stuck out like a, I don't want to <laughs> say a Siegert. sore thumb, but Matt Seagert sticks out everywhere. Matt Seagert <laughs> and Taylor D being the, the combination of taller and larger, both kind of, I, I would say, stuck out. Oh, fantastic. Well, also, I'm glad you guys had a good time. Shout out to the American, whole Europe crew. So we probably look pretty sticking out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you got one more? I do have one more, Joe. Very cavalier. It's it's really, it's it's taken oh. over the nation. Not just the city of Chicago. It's, it's overtaken oh. the nation. I already know your answer to this, but I just wanted an excuse to, I wanted an excuse for us to gush over Jay Cutler again. Joe, buy or sell very cavalier. I'm buying very cavalier. Jay is an absolute superstar jay deserves an uh, just it a really terrible does. terrible there, human being um I, I love every moment of it I, there, i've seen is every, there an emmy i've seen every reality show star is because I if there is he deserves it or they I don't make know one. if there's a i don't know if there is one but if there is he should have a best supporting actor role uh, no he's best actor he, he is the because star. he has yeah but he's not billed as the no, star it's the called star. barry cavallari it's, it's going to be called very, it's going to be called like very cutler very cutler in like a week yeah, or it was. Uh, it is outstanding entertainment. Um, it is. It's good too because I finally there's finally a E Channel smut show, Bravo Channel smut show that you have that, an excuse to watch that my girlfriend and I can watch together. Oh, that I, it's not. It's not a chore if she turns it on. It's like ooh, very Cavalieri. All right, I can deal with this ooh, one. There's Jay. But you give me. Uh, you give me total Bellas or something uh, to the effect. It's just not. It's 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 a no go. I'm, I'm headed to the you. bedroom. I'm headed to the bedroom. It's nothing personal. I just don't want to waste an hour. Um, I will. I will put an hour into Very Cavallari. Sign me up for five seasons. Okay, I that's just, what I need. I know. Uh, sign me up for a Cutler spinoff because that show's not going anywhere. But give me a Cutler spinoff. Next Cutler season. divorce spinoff. I think that that might be <laughs> not to wish ill upon them, Come but. On, uh, man. I don't know. You you make your deductions about the the relationship. All right, you make your deductions, Matt. They seem. And I'll happy. make and I'll make mine. They yeah, seem I'm happy, happy for them. Happy they got the show. Um, I'm happy that they are creating fake drama for the show. It's all good things. It is. I just I, as much as much Jay as I can get, the better. That's right, uh, Matt. Any mailbag from the people this week? You know, we we I, we did not get any mailbags. I think the uh, the the way the the time off I think uh, hurt from that. But we're going to reopen it. I don't want to say it's closed, but we weren't. Exactly I had, see. I set up the mailbag forwarding address in Europe, so it, ah, it must have all yeah, they must all, have all gone. They all went so to we'll the, get those. The, the Airbnb, we'll get those Europe, sent those. back. Yeah, we'll get those sent back this way for next week. Um, send us your mailbag questions, guys. We want to hear from you. We want to tap into some of these. Uh, some of these off the beaten path topics because that's uh, that's where we have the most fun. We know you guys enjoy those too. So send us your questions at Moose and Runes on Twitter, and we'll be sure to get to those in next week's mailbag. Uh, Matthew, you want to hit the music? I'll shut us down. Let's go. Shut it down.
Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Uh, Matt, we already kind of touched upon it a little bit here, but I uh, just wanted to shut it down with a uh, a hand clap and a uh, a bow, a wag, not a wag of the finger. That'd be the, the oh, opposite. But uh, nice but a me. kudos. No, 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 no. A kudos oh. to uh, the one and only Brian Erlacher for uh, giving us a decade worth of uh, fantastic football, being one of the true monsters of the midway. And as we get further removed from his actual playing days, history comes into better focus and. Um, while it was happening, we positioned him amongst the Bear Greats, the Butkuses, the Singletaries, um, the Buffones, uh, just the names that you think about when you think about linebackers here in in Chicago. And um, I think that the further we are removed from his playing days, the further up that list that man gets put. And uh, he, he shaped the franchise. He, he directed us in a direction. He, he gave us something to watch for for years and years and uh he made it interesting and, and and really at this point as a bears fan all we're asking for it is to be interesting we're asking for a good defense we're asking for some points and we're asking for a trip to the playoffs that's something that brian Erlacher often delivered to a team in a very difficult d- division and uh we thank him for doing that gonna be a fantastic weekend honoring the man that wore number 54 and hopefully the last one that'll ever wear 54 in a bears uniform uh couldn't have said it better myself, Joe. I'm excited to see the Hall of Fame speech. Uh, week one, I believe they're honoring him, or week two, the Monday Night Football game in Seattle. They're honoring him on the field, so I can't wait to see that. And On, a, on an ending note here, Joe, on, on a week from today, we're going to be talking about a football game. We're going to be breaking down Bears football. Bears football, Let's baby. Bears Ravens. Bears Ravens. Bears 207, game. Ravens negative two. Book it. Bears money line. That'll do it for the Moose and Roots. (laughs) That'll do it for the Moose and Roots podcast, episode 65. Thanks as always for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed the pod. As we said, send us those mailbag questions, get after us, and uh, we'll make the show yours. Peace. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.